Warmest greetings to all in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now let us turn once again to Philippians as we go through verse by verse in this book. We just finished the series on verse 1, stand fast in the Lord. How to stand fast, verses 2 all the way to verse 9. A series of instructions. Christian, if your life is vacillating, if your life is not stable, if you want to have a spiritually fruitful and growing life, well, therein are your instructions. Well, still Paul continues to tell the Christian, the Christian life of stability, standing fast in Christ, well, it's also dependent on verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, rejoicing. A rejoicing Christian is a stable Christian, especially when you're rejoicing in the Lord. But you know, one of the greatest barriers to this characteristic of a rejoicing Christian now is found in verse 12. Sorry, verse 11. There is this problem of contentment. Contentment. A discontented Christian is not going to be a rejoicing Christian. By the word, discontentment means you're unhappy. You are dissatisfied. You are um, frustrated. Discontented. Grumbling. So you cannot rejoice. You won't be stable. Now, how can we be a rejoicing Christian? The title today is, Learn This and You Will Be Joyful. Learn this and you will be joyful. Because, now look at verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Christian contentment is something that if you learn, you will be able to rejoice greatly. Are you living a life that is frustrated, discontented? You keep looking at your life and say, why is it not like that? Why is it not like this? You look at your family and say, why is my family like that compared to theirs? You look at your job, you look at your boss, you look at your school, you look at your teachers. Why, why am I in this kind of life? You look at your health, whether elderly or young. You say, why am I born like that? Why, why has this happened to me? And then a lot of why, why, why. And you're unhappy. Why is my family? Why are my children like that? Why are my parents like that? Life of frustration. Now think of the Apostle Paul. He is in prison. He is someone that is constantly maligned. He is someone that has lost everything. But yet he is joyful. He said, I rejoice greatly. Of all the people that would teach someone to be contented, to be joyful, someone writing from prison, a life that is constantly unfairly treated, when he lived for the Lord. But he says, I have learned. I have learned contentment. Now, Christian, the elderly, maybe you just feel frustrated with some things in your life and you, you don't have peace, you don't have joy. The problem is contentment. You must learn that young people as well, singles, families as well. Now, the world is designed, or rather designed, our environment to make us discontented people. 
know that. It's constantly touting to you advertisements, touting to you, well, upgrade this. Your phone, your house, your car, constantly bringing out new products and tempting and taunting you, upgrade. Why are you contented with what you have? Shops that sell clothes, shops that sell um, housing, um, household things, everything. And even in the world, they say, why are you satisfied with how much you have? Invest in this, invest in that. Don't be content. You can make more money, right? The whole Bitcoin thing. Endless talk about Bitcoin. You can make a lot of money. The world is, is designs everything to make you look at that and want that and not be contented with what you have. The Christian must realize that discontentment leads to dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction leads to destructive living. That is something that the Christian must realize. Know that in the Garden of Eden, the one thing that Satan knew what to target in Eve is this. God doesn't want you to have that. God says to Adam and Eve, you can, have, you can eat of every tree, but not this one. And, and Satan will make Eve single out that one. Just think about that one that I cannot have. What is he doing? Sowing the seed of discontentment in the heart of Eve. What did it lead, lead to? Lust. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It led to that. Discontentment is very destructive, my friends. That is that poison dart of Satan in the Garden of Eden, and today we are all sinners. Eve became discontented with what God allowed in her life or disallowed. So, Christian, we must be careful of this particular sin. So now we ask ourselves, what is contentment? What is contentment? He said, now, I've learned to be content. Now, content is made up of two words together in Greek. One is about self, self, right? Now, the other one is about sufficiency of strength, all right? Now, you put together it, by and large, it means that is contented, satisfied with one's place in life, one's lot that God has designed for him. Now, regardless of what it is, I'm satisfied, I'm fine with it. Even though it means you have very little resources in life, it is one that is independent of external circumstances. That's why it's called self. Self and sufficient. So if this is what I have, this is what I have, self, that is okay. Circumstances doesn't affect that. Right? Self-sufficient in that sense. Self-sufficient doesn't mean you're not dependent on God, right? But whatever God says, this is it, I'm, I'm happy. I'm satisfied. So that is what it means. But, now, by and large, we know, yeah, yeah I understand this contentment. There's one element in contentment that the Christian must realize. Because the word is self, so yes, this is what is for me. I'm, I'm, self, I'm satisfied, right? This is, the, this is for me. But the other part of sufficiency of strength is what we often don't realize. Because you can be so-called, well, accepting. Right? So I'm contented, well, I, I accept this. But it doesn't necessarily mean 
that in your heart, you are not murmuring and complaining. You know how it is? Yeah, yeah, my health is like that. What to do? (sighs) Yeah, I accept it. I accept it. Don't, 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 Don't misunderstand me. Or... Well, you know, well, my lot in life is this, well, these difficulties, these afflictions, this difficulty in my family, uh, but uh, yeah, it's like that, uh, right? Now, what is contentment really? You not only accept it, this sufficiency of strength means I will go through it. I have enough strength to go through it by the grace of God. I can go through this. It is, it is fine. I won't keep wanting to get out of this. Lord, I cannot take this anymore, Lord. I don't know how long more I can stand it. I accept, Lord, that you, you, you brought this into my life, but I, I really don't know how long more I can take this. That is not contentment. Contentment basically have a resignation. Lord, I, I can go through this. If this is how you want it to be, till I die. Okay, Lord, fine, I will go through it. By your grace, by your strength, I can. Not God cannot already. God, you, you, got, you got to take this away. You got to solve this, Lord. Now, that is not con- accepting is not contentment. When you look at the Apostle Paul, he is a good example of that. He don't just accept that he's in prison. Now, because he accepts that this God's you, but yet he makes the best out of it. He don't keep moaning and groaning. That is why it's so amazing. He's the one that should be complaining. He did not do anything wrong. He was thrown into prison. He was a good apostle, but the Christians say he is a bad apostle. All so unfair. He would be the one that, well, I accept this, but Lord, this is really... How, how can you let that happen, Lord? Instead, he says, wow, this is wonderful. I evangelize in, in here and this, this prison guards which we will never be able to reach, they got saved. You see, he makes the best out of everything. Contentment has that. I accept and I make the best out of it. Not I try to get out of it. So understand contentment. Because sometimes we say, yeah, don't, don't worry, Pastor, I, I'm quite a contented person. But we keep longing to get out of the problem. Accept, receive, embrace, and you will live by the grace of God and go through it. Not trying to not keep pleading. Lord, can you please remove? Please, please remove. The apostle Paul pleaded, Lord, remove this thorn. After three times, and he knew it's not the Lord's will, he said, I rejoice. I, I gladly accept it, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. What is he saying? I not only accept it, I will make full use of it. That is contentment. I will make full use of this weakness because in this weakness, Christ's strength is made perfect in me. That is contentment. So you have to examine your heart when you say you are contented. Elderly, if you're still feeling, ah, you know, I, 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 wish, I wish this, I wish that, but I accept, I accept, you know. And you grow old is like that, but I wish. That is not contentment. That is not contentment. You're still murmuring and complaining. No, so that is contentment. Now the next thing, after we learn what is, uh, we know what is contentment. Now Paul says, learn, learn. I want you to notice Look at your Bibles. Now, first and foremost, Paul says in verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, and now, that now at last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now, what is Paul saying? Is Paul saying this? You know, I, I greatly rejoice, you know. 
not just rejoice, but so happy in prison now. Is Paul saying, wow, you know, the cat, you're at last, at last, at last, the things that I wanted, I was hoping for, at last, your care for me have flourished. Why well, came in bountiful, so caring, huh? so thoughtful of me. Well, at last I got these things. Oh, you once, now, well, well, you're careful, you're so thoughtful of me, but you like opportunity. Before that, you could not get it to me. Before, before that, you were poor and you could not bring it to me. And now you could, wow, I, I'm so happy now. Is Paul saying that? No, absolutely not. Paul is not saying, I, I'm, I wish for these things and finally I got it, I'm so happy. No, look at verse 11. He made it clear. He said, not that I speak in respect of one. Paul is saying, please, I need you to understand this. I am not saying I am rejoicing greatly because I receive these things. I want you to understand this. I am not talking, verse 11, I am not speaking in respect of one. means what I am lacking and then you gave it to me and now I'm rejoicing. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you thought of me and now I am so happy. But what is he saying? For I have learned, verse 11, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. He said, now if you look at verse 10, he said, but, he begins with but. Why does he begin with but? Because in verse 9, we have learned. He said, what you have, whatsoever you have learned, received, heard, and seen in me, do. But this one thing that I really want you to learn from me and do, but, now what is it? He said, it is not about receiving things. I want you to learn this one thing that I've learned in my own life. Look at verse 11. Whatsoever state I am in, whether I receive things, don't receive things, get what I want, don't get what I want, I learn therewith to be content. Contented. He said, but learn this, learn contentment. I learned it. Paul wants them to learn not to base their contentment on things. He said, Where, whatsoever state, I learn contentment. So Christian, how to learn contentment? Now the fact that Paul says, I learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content, means contentment is not something that is going to occur in your life by, by, by fluke and uh, it just happened. It is learned. Even the Apostle Paul had to learn. What did he say? I learn. I, I have learned. He had to learn it. And he wants them to learn it as well. So when it is to be learned, it means a few things. It doesn't come naturally. Right? I'm always complaining, murmuring. I'm just not contented with my life. I wonder when I will, I will become like that. Well, the other Christians are so contented. You've got to learn it. Paul, is not, Paul did not say, because I'm an apostle, that's why I, care. I have this special power to be contented. God bestowed it. No, I learned. Paul did not say, well, you know, at the road uh, to Damascus, after I recovered from my blindness, whoa, this thing happened to me, a contented person. He did not say, well, I spoke in tongues and then this thing happened to me. No, Paul said, I learned. So first thing, it doesn't come naturally. Elderly, if you feel that, ah, you've got to learn to have more contentment. Yes, it has to be learned. Now, the second thing about I learned, I've learned, is this. Not only it does not come naturally, it has to be learned, it is possible to attain it. If not, Paul said, now I have learned this and I need you to learn this as well. 
The fact that it can be learned means it is possible to attain it. If you by and large feel that, you know, really, in reality, I'm, I'm not a very contented person. I know that's my sin, that's my problem. You can change. You can be a very different person. If you're a person that used to com- t- tend to complain and murmur about everything all the time, say, Lord, it is not good. It is possible to change, to be so different that you look, you know, that person seldom complains, you know, that elderly. No matter what the elderly goes through, I don't hear them complaining, but I know I always keep complaining. The family don't have much, but they don't complain. I always complaining about my children, my family. I say, but I can be like them. It's possible. That is why Paul said, learn. Then the third thing about I have learned is it is up to you. It is up to you. Paul said, now you have seen, you have received, you have learned, you have seen in me. Now do. Can you please learn? And It's up to you whether you want to be a contented person or not. Totally up to you. Paul wanted and he learned it. Now the big question is how? How, Lord? How? Well, he tells them how. In verse 11, he said, I have learned, and now he gives the instruction. Verse 12. Now there are two things to learn, all right, to have in your life to lead to contentment. The first one is found in this verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. The first learning is this word know, which he repeats. I know, I know. Knowing. What does it mean? Now, the second thing is, is to learn this. Look at verse 12. Wherein in all things I'm instructed. Instructed. Two verbs he uses. Two verbs. Know, repeated, and in, he was instructed. He know and he, he was instructed. What does it mean? He said with that, he learned. He learned. You want to learn? You need to know. You need to have these two things in your life. Now, what is this no then? I want to be a contented person. I need to have this no in my life. Now, we, as we always know in the Bible, there are different words in Greek words for the word no, all right? One of it is ginosko. We always know that. Ginosko, well, no by experience. Experiential knowledge, all right? We are very quick to say that. Experiential knowledge. But this no is not that no. This word is edo. This word is about a knowledge that is complete, not growing in experience in it. Now, say, how can we have complete knowledge? Now, what this complete knowledge is means you know a fact or the fact, you know a fact. And after knowing that fact, you totally embrace it and believe it and take it as absolute truth. That is why it's absolute knowledge. It's complete knowledge. Means, for example, I know that he is God. You either say, I ginosko, you use the word ginosko or you use the word edo. When you use the word edo, means I know that he is God. There may be many things that I still do not know about him. But as far as I am concerned, this is absolute truth. Every other God is false. Why is every other God false? I, I don't know yet. I don't really care, but this is absolute fact to me. That is this word no here, and he used it twice. Now, it means that this, this is about convictions. My friend, this is about convictions. This no is something that, is, that you're fully convinced of. Absolutely convinced of. Not experiential. 
So when we read this, we thought, oh, this must be Paul experienced things. No. He said, I simply know you want to be contented. You know a particular fact and you take it as I'm absolutely convinced about it. So the Christian, to have this contentment, you need to have this kind of no in your life. What is it? No, preacher, what do you mean by that? Well, the best way to have to start with is to know who God is. To know who God is. The more you know who God is, and every fact that you know about God, you trust it completely, ex- 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 totally. You say, how is it linked to contentment? I'll give you an example. That's why Paul used this know and not experiential knowledge. He said, you know, I know some things about God, and I'm contented. I don't need to experience. The first know, for example, the sovereignty of God. You see, Paul kept saying, I, I give anything to pursue the knowledge, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Whatever he knows of Christ, it is drilled into him. Christ, God is sovereign. How is it linked to contentment? Contentment means this. Well, Lord, why did you let this happen in my life? Why must my life be like that? That is, there's discontentment, right? But when you say, God, because I know you are sovereign, means no one can question you. Sovereign means you do as you please. No one in the universe can question, why, Lord, are you doing that? Why, why did you allow that? Why did you not do this? Because God, Paul says, I know. I know. Well, I mean, I know God is sovereign. Then whether he make me abound, whether he make me abase, whether he, he make me poor, he make me rich, he make me full, he make me hungry, he is sovereign. It is his choice. That is why he said, I am easily contented. I am easily satisfied. In other words, because you know that God is sovereign, you submit. You submit to his will. When you submit to his will, you will be contented. Why are we discontented? Because we don't like God's will. The Lord Jesus prayed, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. That was the example. Christ did not murmur and complain. For example, I don't get restless. I don't get frustrated. I don't keep thinking, yeah, if only, if only, if only. But all you think of is this. Lord, I want your will to be done because you are sovereign. Because you know God is sovereign and you say, Lord, you're sovereign, I only want your will to be done. Whatever you choose in my life, that's fine. That is why this no is very powerful. You don't need experience. You need convictions. Do you have that? Another example is, well, you know, I, at one stage in BPCW, I keep asking us to memorize what is God, right? God is a spirit, infinite and eternal. He is being wisdom, power, holiness, justice, and um, truth. Why, why do I want us to memorize this? Because every time you are discontented, you think, of, you think of what I know about God in that. Well, in that you know God is sovereign. Well, in that you also well know that God is omniscient. Omniscient means God knows all things. I know that God is omniscient. Now, how does that change your, your contentment in life? means I know He knows everything. When I look at this situation, I don't understand. I don't like it even. Why, Lord? But once you think, I, I know God. I know He's omniscient. means He knows the future. means in knowing the future, He knows what He is doing now in my life and what He has allowed. Whether it's sickness, whether it's losses, whether it's 
positive or negative so-called things in my life, He knows what He is doing and He's perfect. I can trust it. Not only, Lord, I want your will to be done, I can trust any calamity that you allow in my life, that you be allow befall in me, I still can rejoice because I know this is the best. God knows what is the best. He knows. We may not know. That's why Paul said, I know, and therefore, I know how to be abound. Why? Because he knows God. He knows God. The attributes of God. Another one, for example, the omnipotence of God. Omnipotence means there is nothing that is impossible for God. There's nothing that requires power that he cannot do. means, once you say, I know, I know how to abound, I know how to base, because I know God. Meaning to say this, anything that is happening in my life that I cannot understand, that I, I do not like, it is not because God cannot remove it. It's not because God cannot change it. As long as I'm in this state, it is because God intends for it. He has the power to remove it. You are his child. He is an infinitely loving God, infinite in his goodness. He can remove it easily. So once you know, you say, well, if God make me abound, well, it is his power that given it. If God remove and make me um, a base, it's not because he lost control. Someone took over control. I am still content. It's not lack of power in his part, my friends. You see, once you understand that, why, why did this operation go this way? Ah, if only that doctor was the one who operated on me, or that doctor was the one who delivered my baby, or that, that doctor was the one who looked after my pregnancy, or who looked after my health or my operation. If only. And I said, no, God is omnipotent. He not only is omniscient, he is present, he knows, and he could have stopped that error, so to speak. He can. Why did this loss occur? Because God allowed it. You see, when you know, you embrace. You may not have the experience yet, but this is good enough. That God is omnipotent. He has allowed it. This is good enough. It means not one minute less, not one minute longer. You know, if God was more powerful, if God could control my boss, or this situation, or what, this situation is good. If, God, if only God was a bit more on time, not one second more, not one second earlier. God's timing is perfect. In His power, He knows exactly when to remove it or not to remove it. Now, the next one, for example, another note, God's omnipresence. God's omnipresence. Well, to know that, to know that, don't wait for experience. If your God calls you to singlehood, you say, oh, I need to experience this love just know the presence of the living God, Jesus Christ with me, is good enough. It's good enough. I am contented with singlehood if that is what God wants because I know. I know how to abound. Well, if God wants me to get married, I know. I know Him. This is what He plans for my life. If it's to abase, well, the world looks at it. Oh, you're single. Oh, so, so embarrassing. Well, I know how to be abased. Well, because I know that God's omnipresence, that is good enough for me. Even in that situation, yeah, when I go to work, when I meet my relatives, they keep saying this thing, why are you single? Why are you single? In my heart, I know how to abase. Why? Because God is, God's plan is the best and His presence for me, with me, I know, is good enough. Just one example. Right? His presence, 
his presence. Well, the psalmist say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What is he saying? As long as the Lord is leading me, this is his will. He is in my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There is nothing that I lack. In other words, he's saying, I don't need anything else. I don't need a husband. I don't need this or that. I don't need more money. I don't need better help. The Lord, as long the Lord is the one who is leading me, and that is what he intended in my life, I need nothing else. I, shall, I, not shall, I will not suffer one. There is no gap in my life. This is very good. So you see, Paul said, I know how to abase. I know how to abound. I know, um, I know how to uh, both to be abased. But I know how to um, abound. He said, I know because I know God. Well, the last one about know is, well, he's infinitely good. He's infinitely true. That is why Job can say, though he slay me, though he slay me, yet I will, will I trust him. Yet will I trust him. Even if God, you slay me. Now think of Job, seriously. I don't think any of us, when we think of him, we should be discontented. He did not lose one child, two child. He lost every single child. Now what happened if one day, the Lord allows through birth or after you bring up your child to a teenager and then the Lord takes your child away. How are you going to feel? That is what Job went through. Far worse. Lost everything, not just some property. And he had lots of riches. What if one day God allows everything in your life, all your possession to be taken away? Now, how can you be contented when you know that he's infinite in his goodness? That's why you say he's infinite in his truth as well. God never does anything that is sinful, that is wrong. Do you know that? You know that. But the question is, do you? This no is, you take it as absolute truth and you are absolutely convinced that God is infinite in his goodness and his truth. So you see, this no is a very powerful thing that we have to learn. You have to learn this. Maybe you're disappointed at this point. <laughs> so I was hoping, what well, title? I learn and then I can be joyful. There is no shortcut, my friends. Unfortunately, there is no shortcuts. Shall I use the word unfortunately? I say, in the reality, there's no shortcuts. Knowledge and knowing and then be absolutely trusting in it is your first route to contentment. That means that you have to know the word. The less you know the word, the more discontented you will be in life. People who don't study the word regularly, study the word of God, have quiet time, attend FEBC courses, come for Bible study, have the word of God expounded, learn lessons and lessons and lessons are people who typically struggle in life. Why? 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 Sometimes, even as a Christian, you counsel somebody else and you just, you just keep saying, why can't the person see this? Why? That no is a problem. The lack of the no. And even when you know, you're not convinced. That is a problem. So no shortcut. That is it. Paul used that word. Now, then is the second thing you want to learn about, about um, contentment. Now, the second word he uses is, in all things, I am instructed. I am instructed. Now, what is this in 
instructed. Instructed. Now, this word in those days is often used to talk about well, there are mysteries, all right? Mysteries, um, and certain people are, are, are initiated into those mysteries, all right? So it's a, it's a word that they use it like that. But it is also to do with, well, you're initiated into this life and you're accustomed to it. So that's an emphasis, all right? You're accustomed to it. Now, why, what does it work? Why did Paul choose this word? What does it mean? He didn't choose a word that said, well, you know, I, I, I learned this way and then I, 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 just, I just learned it, that's it. No, he wanted to use a word that has to do with mysteries because now this is the experiential part. The first one is the no, but this one has to do now with him. He needs to get accustomed to something, experience something to the point and this is the key thing. He needs to experience something to the point where it is natural in his life, accustomed. That is the emphasis of instructed. Why mystery? Because as we go through life, why are we discontented? Very often is we go through life and say, Lord, I really don't understand why you allow this. God, I cannot understand how can this be good in my life? I lost my child, I lost my property, I lost my job, I lost my health. How can this be good? And, and, you know, I reach a stage where in my senior life, this is just so difficult. Lord, how can this be good? It's a mystery to you. When it's a mystery to you, it's very difficult to accept and be contented. Very difficult to be convinced. And it is something that you just can't explain. And God, I just can't explain why you allow this. People ask you, you're a Christian, right? Well, how can these things happen to Christians? You yourself also cannot explain it. Now, that is when, that is when the know and the accustomed gets together. I know it. I am going through this. And I will go through this. I will allow myself to be taught to keep going through it and get accustomed to trusting God. Even though I cannot explain, I cannot understand, but I have gotten used to this life. You see, it must be drilled into you and I. That is what Paul is saying. You know how did I learn? Paul said, well, I know these things. Uh, I know these things. But I need you to know I was instructed. It wasn't easy as well. Just like you. Knowing is, diff is well, is the easy part. Being convinced, well, not so easy. But you know, God had to teach me. Teach me and allow things in my life and make me go through things to the point where I don't ask anymore. Paul was often, as I mentioned, maligned. All right, misunderstood, unfairly treated. He went and not just spoken about him. He went through unfair treatment. But to the point where he don't keep asking why. In that situation, he just live it. He just live it, accept it, and go through it. That is why remember I said in the beginning the definition of contentment is not only accept but you just go through it. You go through it and you know, don't try to get out of it. You don't try to get out of it because you come to a point where, Lord, if, if this is what you allow, I don't understand it, but I'm going to go through it. I'm not going to every day wake up in my life and say, Lord, why am I still in prison, Lord? Lord, you know, I serve you so faithfully. Why is this thing happened to me? Okay, I accept it, I accept it. He said, no, he just carry on in prison. Live like as if that is, that is life and that's all. 
You wake up in the morning and say, well, why, why this problem? Why, the problem? Why, why is my family like that? Why must be I be born into such a family? Why is my phone ringing? Why is my phone ringing? <laughs> why, is, why is life like that? Right? You keep wondering. No, you don't wonder about that anymore because that is contentment. Accustomed to that point. So these two things, my friends, have to be in your life in, if, God, if you want to learn contentment. If you say, no, no I, I, I will never get used to this that God has allowed in my life. This loss. Till the day I die, I live in misery. Misery. I can lose my child. You know, they're so young. How can God let me be alone? And, and all that. As long as you don't get accustomed to it, you will never learn contentment. God is instructing, my friends. God is instructing. When you're going through it, God, you are instructing. And I'll just go through it. So that is what contentment is. How to have contentment. Now we need to move to, well, what states, what situation to be content in. Because sometimes we say, well, certain situations I, I'm happy to be content with, but certain situations, ah, it's very difficult, and we murmur and complain. What situations? Look at how Paul puts it, all right? So he taught them the, how, to, how to. Now he says, he names the situations. Verse 12, abound, uh, sorry, um, abase and abound. Then he mentions um, everywhere. Then he mentions in all things, all right? Then he mentions um, hungry. Then he mentions um, suffering, need, covering all sorts of circumstances. Now, why does God say it this way? You see, we know, then we go through, but sometimes in certain areas, we are, we are not willing to be convinced. In certain areas, we are not willing to go through it and come to a point where I fully trust God. I'm so accustomed to trusting God, I don't even think about it anymore. We are not willing in certain areas. So Paul wants to bring up all the areas in the walk of life. He said, in all this area, you've got to know and you've got to be instructed. Now use peace to help us remember. Peace to help us to remember. The first P. In any period of life, these two things must be present. The knowing, fully convinced, embrace it. Instructed, get a cup stem to, do not question anymore, fully trust. All right? Is in any period of your life. How do we know that? Now, look at verse 11. He did not say, I used to be content. He said, I've learned what, in whatsoever state I am. Whatsoever state I am. He's going to state all the states of life. And he said, I am. Present tense. I am. Any state I, I am, it means currently that I'm going through. And every day as I go through it, when the future comes, at that day, I am still content. Any period of your life. Then he says, I learned, verse 12, I learned how to be a base. Now, again, this is present in this situation to be like that, present. Then he also say, I, in verse 12, I am instructed. Again, present, a present tense form. Now, every period. Now, it means this. 
not just for one moment, but extended period, without ceasing until you die. You must be contented in every area until you die. It, is, it means now before, before or after becoming a student, before high school or after high school. Well, before high school, I was contented. Well, now I'm in high school, I'm discontented. Or vice versa. Before or after getting a job, many of you will come out and get a job soon. Just like many of you will keep getting promoted through school life. Yeah, I don't like this age, this stage of school life. I don't like it. I wish I was in my younger days. And then you come out and work before. Now as a student, you're contented. Well, you thank God, and then you're very, very, um, you're, you're following the law closely. When you come out and work, then you begin to be discontented. Ah, why didn't I get this job? Why, why this job? Why not that company? And so on, right? Means anytime before and after. That's why I say both, before and after. In any state, any place. I am. Well, what about before and after knowing God's calling for your life? Wow. Looks like God's calling is for me to be single. Now I'm not very content. Any changes? Any period of life. After you know God's calling, oh, God called me to full-time ministry. Now life is going to be poor, difficult, stressful, unappreciated. It used to be so good when I was working. Any time, any period. Now, what about before or after marriage? Before or after marriage? Before marriage, well, content. After complaining about marriage. Before or after having children, complaining about children. Before, before having children, wow, a lot of ideas. Now, after having children, we are discontented now, complaining. Or every state, what kind of children? Contented. No complaints. Just accustom what God has allowed you go through it. What about before coming, becoming poor? What about becoming poor? Now, what about now you are in a different place, position at the workplace because you got demoted or even if you got promoted before a place, well, maybe one day you may end up in the retirement home. Suddenly see the elderly's head come up. <laughs> what are you going to feel before that? Well, so home. But now, you know, um, medically, I need to stay in a Retirement home, nursing home, right? Singapore, they were old folks' home, right? Much disdain term here. Will you still be contented? I always quote Mrs. Arnett. Content, no murmuring. Why am I in here? None of it at all. Any period of life, young or old, retired or before retirement, after losing something, after losing a child, after losing a spouse, after losing possession, any period of life, sooner or later, we will lose someone in our lives. There are Christians who, when they lose parents, when they lose someone, their lives just go downhill. Why? Because they cannot accept it. You know, recently I read this young man, he's not a believer, I think, just in the news. He lost his grandmother. He lost his grandmother. And from then on, his life just spiraled downhill. He could not accept he was not satisfied with what has happened. He cannot accept it. In the end, he committed suicide. Some of you may have read it. He even live-streamed his suicide. That is crazy. That is horrible. But he, he went to that mental state of breakdown. See, when you are not contented, that is what I said in the beginning. It leads to dissatisfaction and it leads to destruction. Be careful of the sin. Now then, what about the next P? Then he says, to be abound to be a base and a bound. Now, this talk about positions in life, the next P, the position. 
in life. Well, loss of employment. Suddenly, I'm unemployed. Could not get a job after graduating for so long. Well, this seems like an embarrassing position in life. Have you become discontented? Whatever the period, whatever the position. Well, I was once, well, a high-ranking manager. And then, well, I got demoted because I said something as a Christian. Are you going to be discontented? Position in life, just now I mentioned, people look down on certain status, certain jobs. And Christians say, well, I, I'm, it's fine. It's an honest job. I take this. And it, this job helps me to live my Christian walk. But I'm looked down among my relatives. You can get better jobs. Why don't you go and do this, do that? And I say, well, this is God's calling for my life. Position? Well, the position of weak health. Weak health. That, that is God's placement in my life. Well, why am I born with weak health? A lot, why when, I, when I'm old, the other elderly are so much um, in better position and place in life than me. Why? 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 Now, what about families? Look, why, why, why am I born into this family? Such a difficult family. It's God's sovereign choice. Look, look why, why must there be this black sheep in my family? They cause so much turmoil. Why, why can't my family be like others where there's no black sheep? All right? Why, Lord, do I have a special child? Why, Lord? Why is my position in life, my place in life like that? My family. Not why. Paul has moved from a position of um, the highest position among the chief of the Pharisees, and now he is maligned and, and neglected. His position changed drastically. He talked about that. He talked about his high-ranking position in society and he said, now, I'm nobody. It never bothered him. Now he says, your care of me have flourished once again. He is not saying, you know, if my position in life make people, this word care means thoughtful of you, thinking about you, doing things for you. Well, you know, in this position of life, people are not thoughtful of me. They're very nice to many people in church, but they seem to neglect me because I'm nobody, I'm low class in my job. Are you discontented? No. I, 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 will, I want to be in certain positions so people will respect me. They will care about me. They will think about me. Well, it doesn't matter. Are you discontented? Why do people are so caring for, about this family, that family, but not my family? You see, Paul said, in any position, a base or a bound. Now, the next P. The next P. Place. Place. Look at verse 12. And where? In everywhere. Everywhere, every place. You know, for life, a discontented person's view of life is like the grass is always greener on the other side. But as far as a contented person is, and Paul teaches us, wherever, whichever side God places you, that is the greenest patch. That is the thinking. Everywhere. A discontented person thinks like that. So, you know, sometimes we, all right, it's all right, you know, my, my uh, my period of life, my position of life, but you know, place, uh, sorry, um, place is very important to me. Place is very important to me. But say every situation, don't envy others that are in better places. That is the problem with discontentment. You know, why they stay there? Why can't I stay in that country? Why can't I stay in that, that house? Why can't I 
um, be in that company, in that school, if only. I don't know how it is here, but when I was younger, well, people really look up to certain schools. Wow, you know that school. Are we like that with our children? Any place or teen, are you like that? Oh, if only I'm in that school. If only I am in that job. Now then, the next P. Look at verse 12. In all things, your possessions. In all things, your possessions. Now what if one day, well, it hasn't happened here. It's been happening in the east coast of Australia. The floods, just overnight, you lose all your property, everything that you own, underwater, literally. Will you still be contented? Paul says, yes, you know, in everything. Everything. Anything taken away from me, whether I have everything, don't have everything, it's fine. It's fine. Well, we need to be contented in everything. Now, Christian, will you come to a stage where you keep looking? There are Christians who say, oh, I want to be in that company. Let me work in this company. Then I'm just aiming. How, when, when can I now get enough experience and, and jump shit and go to that company? We're always aiming for something or that position. God says, in whatever position, everywhere, in, and whatever that you have in life, be content. God has placed you there. He has a purpose for you there. Don't keep aiming for this, aiming for that. By the way, I forget. We need to define the difference between contentment and uh, complacency. All right? Please know that. There's a big difference. Now, contentment means you are satisfied, you, are, you wisely accept and go through whatever God has ordained and you know there's something that you can't change and you, you accept and you go through it without murmuring, without complaining, just going through it, satis satisfied with what God has chosen for you. That is contentment. Now, complacency is different. Complacency is you're going through something and then it's within your power to make things better. But you don't take responsibility and you just, well, I'm contented. For example, so students go home and say, Daddy, Mommy, Pastor said we must be contented. I get D all the time in school. You know, you must be contented with me, <laughs> with my results. When you have every ability to do better, don't give excuses. That's complacency. I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough. Well, you know, I, 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 I take very low jobs. Well, our family is very poor, but I'm contented. No, if you can do better, you can... Therefore, take care of your home better so that they can worship, give to the Lord better. That is complacency when you don't do what you know you should do, right? You fail to be excellent. You fail to exercise your responsibility. That's complacency, right? So when, but it's different when you say, I want that job. I want to be in that place. I want to have this. I want to have that. Because you're not contented. That's different. Now, let's come quickly. Let's come quickly now to the next P. That is poverty. I know I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, all right, and to suffer need. Poverty. Poverty. Don't compare. Be contented. Why, oh Lord? Why these people can go to coals, right? 
There are people who feel that way, you know. The Christian have actually said that. You know, you know, Pastor, if, if I don't, you know, work like that and get this kind of money, I have to keep going to market, you know, the early morning market, I think it's Kennyville or something, that, because it's very cheap. So early morning people go there because it's cheap. See, you know, every time I go there, you know how I feel or not, Pastor, you know how I feel? You know, all these people dress like that, these are the poor people's market, you know. They have to wake up early in the morning and go there and buy things among these people. And that is how discontentment changes us. No, I want to go to Coles, where the people dress in a certain way. And is Coles higher class than Woolworth? I don't know, right? Don't quote me. Or IGA, right? IGA definitely higher class, I think. Or farmer's market, whatever. I'm not good at these things, right? So, so forgive me if I quote wrongly. But I want to go to this where people dress a certain way. But poor, I'm poor, then I have to... No. No, I want to be a working mother and earn more and buy things like this, this, these women. Poverty. What is wrong when, God, when you obey God and therefore you buy things from the market? You buy things from reject shop. You buy things from discount stores. You buy things from second-hand stores. No, I, that's not the kind of life that I want. And I'll disobey God, disobey God in order to, to get that. You see, this contentment is like that we compare and we want something else. Why can't I go for holidays like the other families? I'm not contented with this kind of holidays. Just go to Margaret River. Well, people do go to Europe, you know. Well, that is what it is. Live within your means. Be very happy that you can have a holiday. If you cannot have holidays, Teens, don't get upset at daddy and mommy. They want to live godly lives and therefore they may give up certain things and not earn so much so that they can constantly bring you up in the way of the Lord. Now I'm saying you must be poor in order to be spiritual. I'm not saying that at all, all right? But, well, if that is the situation, then, well, don't have holidays, it's fine. You don't need poverty and this base and bounding is about, well, feeling inferior. Christian, if you have an inferior complex, inferiority complex in you, you always you walk and say, wow, all these people dress like that. Wow, all these people have this kind of thing. Then you walk into the room, you feel very out of place and you want to be like them. Then you say, you can't say like Paul, well, both in, I am instructed both to abound and abase. Sometimes yes, Paul says, I am very abased in this, in this group of people. I am very low class to them. I'm not Pharisees, you know. I'm an apostle of a follower of someone who got crucified. They look down on me. Children, do you feel that your classmates look down on you because you're a Christian? Do you feel that you don't come from such a rich uh, family and then they use very expensive handphones, very expensive laptops and you don't have it? They feel, hmm, discontentment. That's a discontentment. But Paul says, in everything. Now, another P, the last P. Now, this is interesting. Look at verse 12. Now, he says, abound. I know how to be a bit and abound. And then he said, I'm instructed both to be full. All right? And then he said, both to abound again. Means even in plenty. Even in plenty. You say, Pastor, in plenty, what is there to be discontented about? Not true. Sometimes we have plenty. But Paul said, even in plenty, I am careful to be contented. Because very often, riches make us want more riches. All right? That is why the Bible says, they that will be rich means they are already, some of them are already rich. In described in the later verses, they are already rich. 
Oh, but they want to be richer and richer and richer. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. You know, Rockefeller was probably the richest human that ever lived. In his time, he became the first billionaire in the world. So based on inflation, based on, based on value of money then, he's, I think even the current billionaires cannot compare with him. But once he was asked, well, you know, you're the richest man in the world. How much more is enough? And his famous quote was, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. You see, that is the thing. Paul said, even in plenty, whatever God has ordained, if I if give me much, whether it's money, whether it's help, I'm content. I'm not going to seek for more. I remember the husband get kept saying, you know, if we use this money, our wife, we can invest more and then make more money. They're already quite well off and make more money, right? And the husband changed after the wife said this. But we don't need it. We don't need it. Sometimes that is what must awaken us, even in plenty. We, are, we have whatever God has ordained, don't keep seeking for more. We don't need that more. We all have already enough. That's exactly what Paul is saying. Understand that. So all this P, you have to ask, now which P am I discontented with now in life? I really must get the, get the knowledge and get the instruction in there and I need to change. I need to change and I need to do this in every period of my life. Now then, we come to the last thing. So, we've learned what is contentment. We learned, well, how to be content. We learned, well, what areas to be content in. There's basically every. And now we want to learn the motivation of contentment, the motivation of contentment, because Paul talks about it. He said, Lord, you know, all these things, but Lord, I need to, he said, I want you to learn from me the motivation. Now look at verse, verse 10. He said, behold, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And we learned, right, just now, verse 11, his rejoicing is not in respect of want, being satisfied, but his rejoicing, if you are a keen reader, and we all should be a keen reader of the Word of God, look at verse 10. But I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. It is in the Lord. Your motivation of contentment is rejoicing, your, is rejoicing in the Lord. I say that again, if it's not clear. Our motivation of contentment comes from rejoicing in the Lord. Now, what do I mean? What is Paul trying to say here? He did not say, but I rejoice in what you give me when I am lacking. He did not say, I rejoice when you were thoughtful of me. But he said, I don't speak in terms of want. I rejoice in Christ greatly. The first thing it means is this. If your motivation of contentment is in getting what you want in life instead of in Christ you will not be contented you will be not you will not be motivated to be contented in Christ because your motivation is what can I get for myself when will I get this for myself you will never be contented as long as it is for self you will never because the self is a bottomless pit our hearts if lust and covetousness exist in our heart, it's bottomless. We keep wanting more. Never enough. Just a little bit more. Never contented. Never satisfied. 
But when it's in the Lord, it means my rejoicing comes from the Lord, not from things. That will be, you will be a contented person. Because you will always know Christ is always with me. You learn everything that you know about him. That whatever get, gets taken away from your life, at any point of your life, even the most loved things of your life, something that you really don't want to have God take away. But because your rejoicing is in Christ, that is your motivation, you will always be content. It's all right. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Now, in fact, I want you to notice, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Notice how there's one word that Paul used repeatedly in verse 12. Can you tell me what it is? All right, all right. not fellowship time. Can't ask you. Right? Can you tell me what it is? Verse 12. You have a thing. I'm not going to tell you now. Have a look at it and ask yourself. What is something that Paul uses repeatedly? We already say learned. All right? I see the, I can hear your brain churning and I can see some of your mouth moving. Verse 12. The word is both. The word is both. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. When in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now why does he keep using both, 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 both? The point is this. Whether it's this or that, that's why it's both, right? Whether it's this or that, the state does not matter to me. It does not matter. Now, i give you an example. Now, this is a very common thing that happens at home, right? Uh, dear, what do you want to eat for dinner? Right? Or uh, um, parents ask you, what do you eat for dinner? And the answer that the wife detests the most is anything. <laughs> anything. Say, what? What? Anything. Actually, Paul is saying that. Anything. When you say anything, assuming you're not being being, being Difficult and, and uh, uh, being difficult. Now, typically you say anything, means you're saying, they say, well, you, do you want to eat chicken or do you want to eat uh, beef? Actually, easy choice, right? Beef. <laughs> Maybe to use some of your chicken. Do you want to eat which one? Anything means you really do not mind both. This or that. Both are fine. Both are fine, mom. Both are fine, dad. Both are fine, uh, um, husband. Both are fine, wife. Both are fine. Means, really, which one does not matter to you? That is not the issue. Contentment is that. Things are not the issue. Things are not the thing of matter to Paul at all. Whichever it is, now, just like you say, whichever is, is fine. As long as well, a good husband says, as well as you like it. Right? That's always this argument at home. What do you want to eat, dear? Anything that you choose. Ah. No, I want you to choose. No, you choose. Ah. Right? Why, why do you keep going back? Because you want your spouse to have the favourite. Just like a child asks ask the parents. Parents, we're bringing you out for dinner. Which one you want to eat? Right? Singles, you must learn also. Which one? Your parents say, anything, anything. To them, it doesn't matter what you, what you bring them to eat. Being with you is all that matters. And you don't mind either because as long as you like it. Now, why do I bring this up? Paul said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. What does in the Lord mean? We already learned, number one, your rejoicing is not in things, it's in the Lord. But the second thing that you begin to realize here is the both. Whichever case is fine, as long as Christ likes it. That is the meaning of in the Lord. 
That is why he keeps saying both. As long as this is what God chooses, whatever God chooses, this fulfills his plan. He's sovereign. This is what he desires. This is what will bring glory to him. As long as it does that, either is fine. That is why you say, Mom, chicken is fine, beef is fine. As long as it's nutritious, both are fine. But especially if what you like, wow, the mother's heart melts, right? Wow, just whatever I choose. That is the heart of the Lord. Say, Lord, both, both are fine. Whatever you choose, I'm happy if it brings you glory. That is the motivation. Until the Christian have that motivation, that Lord, both are fine, health or no health, have or don't have, this place or that place, high, low or low position, known or unknown, both are fine, Lord, as long as this is what you want for my life and it will bring your purposes to, purposes to pass, as long as it will bring glory to your name, as long as your decrees and your will is fulfilled. Lord, I just want your will. Both are fine. So Christian, that is the motivation. But as long as the motivation is self, you will never be contented. Now Christian, understand, the one thing we must learn is this. When we studied in prayer meeting, covetous, right? What is the solution to covetousness? All of you were very quick. Contentment. Contentment. Contentment is the solution to covetousness. Do you know that this contentment is a very grave sin because it breaks the 10th commandment? Because it's covetousness. That is what it is. This contentment is, Lord, I want what the other person has. Lord, I want that situation, not this situation. Lord, I want that. You're covetous. Whatever God has will for you, you do not want, but you want something else that God doesn't want you to have. You're covetous. That is why it's a sin. And do you know what is this sin about? This sin is about, Lord, you want this for my life, but I don't agree with you. Lord, you want this to be happening in my life, or you want to take this away, or you want this to give this to me. Lord, I do not agree with you. Who made you sovereign? Lord, I want the other thing. Do you understand breaking the Ten Commandments? Covetousness is this. Lord, I, I want that one. You chose this for me. I cannot accept it. That's why I'm discontented. That is the sin of covetousness. As long as you are in that state, discontentment, Lord, if this, this, I know that whatever you choose for me, you're working all things for your glory and for my spiritual good, but I don't want to agree with you. It is not, Lord, whichever, both are fine, as long as it promotes your name, your kingdom's work, if for the good of others, both are fine. Means you're saying, Lord, I submit to you, you are sovereign, instead of, Lord, I cannot submit to you, I'm not happy about this, my health, whatever it is. So this is the motivation for a Christian. Lord, like the child said, as long as it's nutritious, as long as you like it. In other words, Lord, as long as you like it, as long as it is for your glory and my spiritual good and the spiritual good of others, it is fine. I want to say this, I know this is a bit long, but I want you to notice one thing. Please look at Philippians chapter 4. How fine is it to you? How fine is it to you that if it's for the glory of God and for the good of others, you are fine. Both are fine. Now, see how Paul puts it, which you'll learn in future weeks. Look at verse 17. 
not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Do you know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, you know, I am so happy that you gave me something, not because I like gifts, but it may abound to your account. We'll learn more about this later. That it may abound to your account. He's saying, you know, when you give me something, it's not because I like gifts, but when you give me, your reward is in heaven, it is into your account. What Paul is saying is this, Lord, both are fine. If I become poor, I get imprisoned, I get things taken away from me, I get health taken away from me, and I need someone to help me to bring things to me. But if that means as a result of them giving me because I am in need, they will have rewards in heaven, Lord, fine, fine. Do you understand what Paul is saying? Are you willing to go through things in life that are difficult, and as a result of that, someone else comes to your aid, someone else benefits from it, and therefore they have rewards in heaven. Are you willing to go through it? That is the motivation. The motivation is not as long as for your glory, for your plans, for the good of others. I am contented. Both are fine. Both are fine, Lord. That is the motivation. As long as it is for self, you will never be contented. I hope that we learn this lesson of the motivation, my dear friends, because, and with this I close, I promise, a contented person will focus on what the Lord has done and what he wants, not what he himself wants, but what the Lord wants. And I say this, a contented person will count his blessings. He will name them one by one. A discontented person will count his lackings and he will name them one by one. Which one will you be? It's your choice. Remember, contentment is a choice that you have. Are you going to sing, count your blessings, name them one by one, or will you still sing, count my lackings, and I'm going to name them one by one to you, Lord. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. 403. Count your blessings. Let us rise. Four zero three four hundred and three.